the Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Welcome to the Long Story Short, the weekly podcast on Burn Media. I'm Liz Calloway. If you're enjoying the Long Story Short, be sure to like it and share it with your friends. We all need to work together to save America. And now on with the show. It's Long Story Short with Liz Calloway. The left continues to tell us that if you are a woman who is raped and you become pregnant as a result of that rape, that it is self-defense and it is important that that woman get that abortion. Serena Dykeson has a different perspective on that. She has her own story of sexual assault and abortion, all at the age of 13. She has now used her life to help others who have survived the same fate. She is the founder of the ministry. She found his grace, which is also the name of her book. Listen to Serena as she shares her story and why she believes there doesn't need to be an exception for race. Thank you for joining us, Serena. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be asked to to join you today. Well, I had to seek you out because I read, you know, and I'm sure you've gotten plenty of press before, but you came across my eyeballs when I saw you in Life News recently. Tell me more about what happened to you when you were 13 years old. Yeah, so when I was 13 years old, I was sexually assaulted by an uncle, and that resulted in an unplanned pregnancy. And my family was looking for help, and we went to our family doctor, and our our family doctor was a pro-life Catholic doctor, Um, and the only thing that he offered to our family was abortion, and my parents, they were just looking for help, and so I remember my mom just saying, nodding her head, that that's what we were going to do, and I had never heard that word before. I had no idea what that word, what it meant. And, um, and so I remember them, uh, I remember the doctor saying to my family, the people outside the clinic hate you, so make sure you walk in quickly. And, um, so we, on that day, actually there was no one outside the clinic and we went in and my parents, um, we went in the waiting room and, um, they separated me from my parents. They took me to, uh, what they called a counseling room, uh, by myself as a 13 year old. And the only thing I remember them telling me was it was just a clump of cells. And I I had no idea. I thought I was at a doctor's office. I thought that they were there to help. And so when they asked if I was ready for the abortion, I did my head yes. And um, I was taken to a room. And the first time I met George Clawford was when he walked in the room. He smiled and he said, this won't take long. And... What I can tell you is that it was the most painful thing that I had ever experienced in my life, even up until this point. Yeah. And um, it was horrific. Uh, my mom could hear me screaming from the waiting room and asked if she could help me, and they told her no. And when it was time for me to leave the clinic, I hemorrhaged everywhere. My dad had to carry me out over oh his gosh. shoulder. And no one offered help. Um, there was no support. There was no nothing. And my mom ended up having a mental breakdown. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
Yeah, and she, what she thought was was going to help us only hurt us further. And we know that trauma plus trauma, that is not healing. Um, abortion does not take away rape. It just doesn't. It adds more trauma. Serena, I and need so, to I need to go back and ask you. Um, it was not clear. The you were sexually assaulted by someone uh, close to you, and and who was this person? Yeah, so it was an aunt's husband. So it was an okay. uncle. So mm-hmm. what did that? Just to go back to when you're 13 and this happens to you, um, you know, did you tell people about the rape, or did you wait till you figured out that maybe? you're pregnant? I mean, how did that happen? What, how did that? Yeah. So how that all happened was, um, of course I was so embarrassed. I had a lot of shame. Um, I was scared. And so I did not tell anybody for a while. And then one day I was on the bus going to school and I told an older student and I, it was an older student that I wasn't even friends with. I just knew that I needed to tell someone. And she ended up telling our school counselor, and I was actually in uh, sixth grade choir when the counselor came and got me, and um, she asked me, she started asking me questions, and at first I denied because it was just so embarrassing, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I ended up telling her uh, what had happened, and then she called my parents uh, to come get me, of course, you know, that started a whole investigation, you know, and going to the doctor and getting an exam and that's how I found out I was pregnant. All right. So then you find out you're pregnant from this exam. Do you know how far along you were? You know, at that time I didn't know. I was so un- I was so ed- uneducated. I had no clue because, you know, that was not something that we talked about in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I mean, no, had the I rape had- happened months before? I mean, were you three months? Were you two weeks? You know? Mm-hmm. So... I was sexually assaulted in December. This was in January, and my abortion was February 14th. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, um, I mean, that alone is severely tragic, and it probably changed the trajectory of your life. Now, I've heard, uh, actually, Lila Rose uh, was on, uh, you know, uh, Tucker the other day talking about her appearance on Dr. Phil. Um that where she was having a debate with an audience member about rape being an exception. Um, I, I don't really know how it, the conversation ended up. They just showed a clip of it. But one of the things that people have a problem with, if there is not an exception with rape is, um, you know, what if the attacker is never convicted, never goes to jail. And even if they do, what if they still, you know, uh, you know, according to the state that you live in, have some kind of parental rights over the child you decide to have? And that's an outstanding issue. Have you ever thought about that being a real problem, uh, you know, an argument that pro-choice people have against uh, an exception for rape? Rape is 1% of why women have abortions. And so, um, so we have to remember that. But we have to go after the rapists and make sure that they are, there's laws protecting these women and babies from the rapists. And, and the thing about it is, um, you know, the abortion clinics, if you take, if women go to abortion clinics after rape, we know that abortion, one, is not going to help her uh, heal at all. And two, um, there's so many times where, 
at the the clinics will just tell the ladies like don't tell us because we don't want to report that mm-hmm. um and so they send them right back and in fact the clinic that i was taken to that's a, how they eventually got shut down because there was another 13 year old who had been raped and they never reported and sent her right back to her rapist wow um and so right and mm. so that's just such a weak argument and i actually have had the honor to work with state leaders who want to go after these rapists and they want to have tougher laws and so that's where us I get to use my story to help in that, um, to protect these women and, and children. And my friends who've had rape and have kept their babies, um, they don't regret having their babies at all. They said that's what helped them in their healing. Absolutely. I, I can I can understand that. I, I you know, I've never been through it, but I can understand the difference. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, as you became, you know, older and you are pregnant again or trying to get pregnant, what, what, ha- what happens, you know, after you have an abortion, what is the damage that is left behind? What has been your experience since then? So I, I actually got pregnant again at 16 and Planned Parenthood tried to convince me to abort my baby and I didn't, I chose life for her. But what happened was, um, the abortion followed our family, um, I, by 23, I had a miscarriage. Um, and I, uh, a few years after that, I had an ovary rupture wow. and then I had to have, and I, it almost, I almost died from that. And then, um, by 29, I had to have a complete hysterectomy oh and we know that it's tied to the abortion. Um, also, um, but when my kids were in middle school, I started to struggle with feeling um, very unworthy to be a mother. And, a, and I turned to drugs and alcohol and I moved out of my house. And I thought, you know what? My family deserves better than me um, because I thought, you know, it is we can't help. I couldn't help that someone raped me, but it is a heavy weight to carry knowing that you were part of ending the life of mm. another person. Right. And your own child at that. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so that really followed me and nearly destroyed everything in our family because I just, I struggled with that. And it wasn't until I found healing and actually could acknowledge my daughter, Eliana Grace, and give her dignity that I found freedom. And we just really saw our family restored. And that has become our whole mission of helping others mourn the loss of their aborted children. Mm. And that's the name of, of basically that's what the organization you founded does. She found his grace abortion recovery. I mean, basically that is you finding his grace. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you though, when you were talking about uh, becoming pregnant again, so how many kids do you have now? Mm-hmm. So I have two children to, um, uh, two children that are alive and two children that are in heaven. Okay. All right. So, um, I, I can't even imagine what that's like, um, to lose a a child, you know, to miscarriage or abortion or anything else. I mean, I have two children of my own, so I, you know, it's like every baby is so precious. And I had once interviewed a former, a, a former abortion doctor, and she told me stories about doing late-term abortions and that she would um, literally marvel at 
the pieces she was pulling out, uh, the little hands, the little feet, you know, all this stuff. And I, I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, where is that right. in, in the human being that that could possibly be? And she says, I spent my whole life repenting and, and, and I'm on a mission to share a pro-life message now. Um, and she is, is in the process of doing a lot of healing. But your abortion doctor, George Klopfer, um, what did you eventually find out about him? Yeah, so uh, George Clawford, he had passed away, and um, as they were cleaning out his garage, um, they found that he had hoarded 2,411 babies in his garage. Yes, and his family was devastated. The family that found it was devastated. It was very traumatic for them. Um, For me, it it was a gut punch for me. Um, and actually what ended up happening during that whole process, um, that's kind of when my story went, hit national news. Um, but I had women all over the world uh, that heard that story. And there's no way that they saw George. They, they, there's no way they ever went to George for an abortion. But it was so triggering for them that they reached out um, so traumatized by hearing that news. And mm. so... Um, you know, this abortion wound is so, so deep, and um, there are just so many men and women, and it's a men issue, too, a man issue as well. Um, we serve men as well, and um, they are so grieving, and they don't even know where to go for help. Um, they don't even know help is out there, and especially with Roe getting overturned, uh, we definitely see an uptick of uh, men and women coming to us searching for help. Um, and just also, it's so interesting because a lot of people, you know, something that we kind of, um, kind of stay away from in our organization is the terms pro-life and pro-choice, because we have a lot of pro quote pro-choice people that follow us that are so wounded and they don't even know how to process it. Um, so that's, that's where we fill in the gap and we're able to help them, uh, really walk through that healing and be able to share their stories because we know that uh, abortion-minded woman will change her mind 85% of the time if she can hear our stories. Absolutely. And hear the heartbeat and maybe see a sonogram, um, you know, all of yeah. those things. But I, I, I want to know, uh, and we're speaking with Serena Dykeson, a uh, rape survivor and an abortion survivor, really. I mean, you had, you had an abortion when you were 13 after you were raped. You have um, dedicated your life now, not only to your family and your two children, but also to your ministry here. Uh, she found great, she found his grace abortion recovery. It's life healing and redemption. Uh, what was the turning point for you? You know, you said you had gone through drugs. You found your way back. You got counseling. Um, you, you know, you made things right with God. But when did you decide to reach out? beyond yourself and establish she found his grace abortion recovery yeah so this was never on my radar at all (laughs) you know it It was on god's radar that's all that matters so on god's radar so on god's radar um really what happened was you know i started my healing journey um and like I said, my story hit national news. We just started having so many men and women reach out for help. And we're like, well, uh, this seems like uh, it's a calling that comes in our lives. And so 
we became a ministry and we just started serving men and women from all over the country. And uh, we started having abortion-minded women reaching out to us, and we were able to help them choose life all across the, I should say the globe. It is, it's it's a um, global ministry. And uh, it's just, you know, God's taken it on a wild and crazy ride ever since. And it, you know, and it was just finding my healed voice um, and just sharing, sharing uh, that redemption story. And even though I didn't choose abortion, um, it was still something that really, really hurt um, and wounded me. Um, but through that process, you know, I had to learn how to forgive. Um, I had been drinking a poison that was that was killing me. And, you know, I was really hoping the other people would die, but it was killing me. And, uh, you know, God is so gracious in meeting us in that space. And it doesn't mean that people are off the hook. It doesn't mean that my rapist is off the hook. It doesn't mean the abortionist or my parents or anybody's off the hook. It just means that um, that takes that hook out of my heart and mm. really finding that freedom um, uh, to do what the Lord's asked me and asked me to do because that really would have hindered um, what he was calling me to do. I'm wondering, if you don't want to share, that's fine, but I, I just need to ask what became of the relationship between you and your parents and um, how have you, you know, moved forward with them? I'm sure it's a long process. Our family was pretty busted and broken, and it was really, really hard. Um, we needed a lot of healing, and basically our family fell apart. Um, my dad ended up leaving our family. Um, my mom struggled. She just struggled emotionally from that. Um, but, you know, God and his redemption story, right? And so um, God has done such an awesome redemption story with my mom and myself. And I'm still praying for my dad. Um, I don't think he's, he's recovered from that. I haven't talked to him in forever. Um, but, you know, I pray for him. God can get a hold of him still. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if someone wanted to find out more information about your organization, Serena, how can they reach out to you at She Found His Grace Abortion Recovery? So um, if men and women have abortion regret in their past and they're looking for, for hope and healing and freedom, um, go to shefoundhisgrace.org. Um, they can find the tab for our women's program and our men's program, um, both on there. Um, our men's program is called He Found His Grace. And um, you send you send a, a form to us, and we will contact you. It's confidential. We take you through a two-phase program that's absolutely life-changing. We're speaking with Serena Dykeson. We just have a few moments left here. How old would your child be if you did not have that abortion? So Eliana Grace would be 34, 34, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's, uh, and yeah, now that you asked me that, um, yeah, so she was, um, she was aborted in 89. And, you know, the thing about my story was I was able to go back and read my court, my court papers, um, which I was so thankful for, um, as I wrote my book, because there were things that I remembered and things that I, I was not sure of. And, and so I was able to go back and get those. And so, that kind of connected the dots. And also I really struggled with Valentine's day. That was such Mm -hmm. a hard day for me. And I didn't know why. And then to read that that was the actual day that I had my abortion. 
um, made a lot of sense of why that, that was a day that I struggled so much. So I, I think that it's just amazing that there are so many people that want to help these women make a choice for life and they, they don't know what to do and how to help. And one of the best ways to help is to find these organizations in your community and give them whatever they need to help sustain the women during pregnancy and after they, they have that baby. And in that organization mm-hmm. next door to us follows the child and the parents and, and the dad up to three years, which is, mm-hmm. I think is so important, but there is a, yeah. a whole faction of people like you and you said you went to the March for Life rally, and so did the woman who runs Coastline Women's Center. And she said she didn't see enough people represented there that were healing from an abortion like you and she. Your message is just so important. There's so many women that are suffering these invisible scars. That's it. There's so many people that are so silent and they don't know. They just don't even know where to where to go for help. And so... Um, you know, recently we actually, um, we actually went to a men's program, a rehab center. And, uh, it was kind of funny because one of the guys, he said, I don't even know why this lady's at our, our center. He's like, that doesn't make sense. And they're talking about abortion. And then by the end, he came up just weeping and, you know, it's been beautiful to see what God's doing in his life and how he's helping other men heal. And you know what? We think men don't even talk about, a, you know, they're not talkers or whatever, but man, these guys are really talking. And I really see, um, you know, God healing the land um, through using these wounded voices um, so that, you know, our land can heal and um, these women can choose life because they just need to hear the truth. There's, there's a side that's pretty loud. Absolutely not. There is nothing normal about that. And, uh, but you know, there needs to be a place for people who make a, uh, a knee jerk decision, you know, a permanent decision like that. And, uh, I like, and I've said it before on this podcast and on the show that it's, it's, um, it's a form of suicide. It's it's a partial suicide of yourself when you abort your child. Uh, in your case, it was a decision made for you. You didn't even know what was going on. You were like, you know, I was raped and this is what I have to do now. You know, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. What? You know, um, so I, I just, uh, my heart breaks for those young girls that are just thrust into this situation and their parents and doctors are telling them this is your only choice. And it's not. Right. It's not their only choice. It is not their only choice. And we tell women that, um, that all the time. And, um, you know, it, it is not their only choice. And, and we've been able to help with other women choose life, um, you know, through sharing our story. And something that I want to mention, um, She Found His Grace is a um, global ministry. So if there's someone that's listening and they want to go through, go through abortion recovery, um, we do classes online, so just because we're located in Indiana doesn't mean that they can't go through the classes. So I just wanted to clarify that just in case someone's listening and um, they want to go through help. What's the so, website, Serena? Yep, shefoundisgrace.org. All right, and you also have a book by the same name, Serena Dykson, D-Y-K-S-E-N. Thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, not only today, but to the world 
And I know that you've saved dozens and dozens of babies and mothers and fathers along with it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable the path that God takes us. But, um, you know, thank God for you. And thank you so much for, for what you're doing. Um, it's such an honor. You know, God takes our very broken pieces and, and you know, with anything for how God turns it to this. And so, I, you know, I, 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 of course, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through that, but you know what? God redeems it all and, and he is using it for his good. So thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you. The Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Thank you for downloading Long Story Short. If you need to reach me, you can always email me at LizCallawayLLC at gmail.com. That's Callaway with all A's. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, I'm Liz Calloway.